Hey Trinity family and friends, welcome. It's good to have you with us today. Uh, if you are new with us, it's great to have you especially. If you're part of the Trinity family, it's so good to see you on this end of the camera, missing your faces face to face. Uh, my name is Mark, for those of you who don't know me, and for those of you who do, you may not even recognize me. <laughs> this has all come off. It's a little chillier these days, so uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it growing back, but uh, thanks to all of you with your generosity on our Easter challenge this past weekend, we were able to raise uh, a lot of money and a whole bunch of snack packs to be a blessing, a radical blessing in our city. So thank you for partnering with us and keep them coming. Uh, there's more opportunity as the, the weeks go on in, ahead of us here. So this uh, today, I was going to say this morning, but this morning, this afternoon, whatever time of day it might be, as you're watching, listening in, I want to spend some time in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, it's uh, in, in across the different translations, there's so much that you can get out of it. But I want to read out of the Passion Translation in particular today. Uh, in the last little while as I've been reading and rereading this, it's brought the scripture to life for me in, in ways that I just haven't seen before. And I'm, I've really enjoyed that. And I pray that it'll, it'll do something of that for you today. Read it in the NIV, read it in the ESV, read it in the New American Standard, the King James, the New King James. Uh, all of those bring such rich depth to it. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm, ju I'm jumping straight into the Passion Translation. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words be would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. You can just imagine the noise of that, eh? And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor, and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten, and our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me 
has been fully understood. And until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. What an amazing portion of scripture. In this, Paul describes various spiritual gifts and the radically generous ways that we can demonstrate and represent God in our world. I love that word, represent. It's re-present. Present again the heart and the face and the love of God. And Paul describes all these spiritual gifts and these radically generous ways that we can be able to uh, be a blessing in our world. He speaks about the gifts of prophecy. He speaks about the gifts of tongues. And he speaks about faith that could move mountains. But then right at the end, he starts to unpack and say that, well, these things will actually be lost forever. But, but there are three that remain. Faith, hope, and love. Of all the things that are important, why are these the three things that will last forever? And if you think about it, when there's a shaking of everything around us, much like what we're experiencing in our world right now, when those things are being shaken, there's an uncertainty of all things, those three things remain steadfast and strong. Faith, hope, and love. So today I want to unpack a little bit what's so important about faith, hope, and love. And that's a great question. Thanks for asking it. I want to focus on these three things. And let's start with understanding, first of all, that there's great power in these three things. There, there's something very rich here. And if we might be scratching our heads saying, well, what is it about these three things? Of, of all things that remain, it's just those three things that God sees as the most important. What is it about them? And, and we have the privilege of discovering and digging out the gold and the depths of the remarkable revelation of what God clearly sees in this. So I don't want to oversimplify things uh, today, but uh, really for the sake of time, I'm going to dive right in and uh, I want to give faith a definition. And faith is really essentially the belief that there is something or someone better. Faith is the belief that there is someone or something better. For us, that someone is God himself. Hebrews 11 verse 1 defines faith for us in the scriptures. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I really enjoy the amplified translation of the, uh, the same verse, Hebrews 11 1. It says this, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, or the confirmation of things hoped for or divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Isn't that powerful? Hope. What, what is it about hope? Faith is the first one. Hope is the second one. And I, I think hope for me, quite simply, is remaining joyfully expectant that God is there. I've heard it said that, uh, that, that hope is the joyful expectation of good. And after all, God is good. So hope is the joyful expectation of the goodness of God. Psalm 33 verse 20 through 22 says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. 
May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Psalm 130 verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word I put my hope. What a powerful description that David uses in that psalm of of expressing himself. He says, my whole being waits and I will trust in you and in you I will put my hope. See, I I had uh, two interesting experiences in, in regards to faith and hope. When I was uh, in my teenage years, I lost a couple of really good friends in a horrific bus accident. And uh, I was still in such a formative stage of my life and knowing who I was and where I fitted into the world. And in the middle of all of that, uh, in a sense, the bubble was burst. And uh, this this pure childlike expectancy of this perfect world and uh, and in many ways, the faith in other people was actually shattered in a moment. And for a time, it took me a while to get back in a bus with the same level of faith and hope that I'm going to reach the destination that I was originally intended for. But I would walk, walk onto the bus and I would take a look at that bus driver and I'd realize I am putting my life in this person's hands. And it was a level of faith that I've never really had to consider before. And I realized in in that moment, and I've never seen faith and hope in the same way again since then, because faith is really trusting in someone with my entire life, as David reminds us, with my whole being, I put my hope in you. Hope is rooted in faith. Psalm 130, the same psalm in verse 7 says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. I want to encourage us today, why don't you put your name in the front of that and say, Mark, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with Him is full redemption. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. What a wonderful promise. It teaches us. The grace of God teaches us. I love the revelation of that. Think on that for a moment. It's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. I want to pause there for a moment. Those are really pertinent words for us in this season we're in in life right now. It is the grace of God that teaches us to say no in a world that's spinning around us. To say no to ungodliness like fear and gossip and rumors and conspiracy theories. Church, I want to really challenge us and encourage us. Let's not get caught up in these things. Let's not spread these things. Let's say no. And let's live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do 
what is good. What a powerful scripture. Spend a bit of time in that this week. And finally, this one, love. You see, I I love to think of it this way. Hope is the gas on the fire that keeps faith alive in our ultimate quest. Hope is the gas on the fire that keeps faith alive in our ultimate quest. And that's this quest to find love. See, the thing about love is that I don't know that many of us really have a full understanding or a grasp on it. We'll say things like, I love my puppy. (laughs) I love ice cream. And yet, the love that we see in the scripture is something else. Of all of the things that we could have used to describe God, that God himself chooses to be known as, is what? God is love. We're down to these last three things in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Faith, hope, and love. And after all is done away with, Paul even narrows it down further in his letter to the Corinthian church. He says, I'm going to pass over all of these, including faith and hope. And there's actually just one thing that's left, and that's love. So what's so important about love? Another great question. I've heard it said that that love is actually the clearest picture of God that we have. Think on that for a moment. Love is the clearest picture of God that we have. God is love. 1 John 4 verse 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And it goes on to say in verse 19 that we love because God first loved us. The ability to love is only really possible when it's rooted in the love of God for us. I tell you, if there's anything that our world needs right now, it's a real authentic expression of faith. A real, authentic expression of hope and a real, authentic expression of love. I see two main purposes of love. I see firstly that it's a revelation of our our identity. Love and the love of God is a revelation of our identity. Love tells us who God is and love tells us who we are to God, who we are in God. Secondly, I think it's It's this, it is the very power that allows us to do the work of Jesus. In fact, even greater works as Jesus described in John 14 verse 12. He said, whoever believes in me will also do the works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. There's this commissioning moment and he says, you're not only going to do the works I've done, but you're going to do greater works. I'm equipping, I'm commissioning you and I'm leaving you with the love of the Father. Love has the power to help us believe again and to restore hope in ourselves and in others. Our friend Steve Backland uh, quoted this once, and it's a powerful quote. He said, our hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem itself. I'll say it again. Our hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem itself. And you see, love is the thing that love is the gift from heaven. Love is the gift of God himself that enables us to believe again and to restore that hope. And to restore that hope in him, to restore that hope in ourselves, to restore that hope in, in being able to be a blessing to others and restoring that hope in others. 1 John 4 verse 16 through 18 says, And so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 
This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Think on that. There is no fear in love. We need to hear that word in this season of life. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, the kind of love that is defined in God himself, drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Matthew 22 verse 36 through 40 Jesus highlights something very significant that we would do well to hear. He gets challenged and he, and he gets asked, Teacher, what is the, the greatest commandment in the law? And the religious leaders of the day were trying to trip him up. And Jesus quite, quite simply replied, He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. But this is... The second, and it is like it, it says this, love your neighbor as yourself. Church, we need to hear that more than anything today. The two greatest commandments that we have in this season of life is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it probably starts with us learning how to love ourselves better. Let that be a challenge for the week. For a lot of us, if we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, I don't know that we're going to love our neighbors a whole lot. We need to really root ourselves in understanding who we are in God. Our identity needs to be firmly established in God, especially in times of crisis. And in that place, we get to love out of the, the, the overflow of the love of God. And we love as we love ourselves. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says, that's where you hang your coat, right there. There is nothing else more important than those two commandments. And I want to conclude our time together with a, a song that's just been stirring a, around in my, in my heart this week. And it's, it's the song about my hope is built on nothing less. And, and I want to read the lyrics and I, I pray that this is something that just ministers deeply to you. And I encourage you to join me and, and sing it along if you want to. But, but can we root ourselves in this truth this week? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. I would love to challenge us right now to take a bit of time right where you're at. Stop what you're doing right now. Be with your family. Be with friends. Be with those in your home environment that you're locked down with. And if you're on your own, do this with you and Jesus right now. But take some time to get some juice and get some bread and take communion. Remember what Jesus did for you. Remember the high price that he paid. Remember the fact that he gave his life that his blood was shed, his body was broken for you and me. And he said, do this often in remembrance of me. Be reminded again today of the great love that Jesus has for you and the faith and the hope that we can place in him and the finished work on the cross. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we just thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you for your grace, your kindness, your goodness. 
that gives us this great gift of salvation, but it's the gift that we can put our hope and our faith and our trust in, the gift of your life, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for your incredibly radical and generous act of love in giving us the gift of your Son. We receive Jesus as we're reminded of Psalm 103. We forget not all the benefits of the gift of the finished work of the cross. And today, as I stand here together with my friends, Lord, I thank you. I thank you deeply for all you've done for us. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for the gift of hope. And thank you for the gift of love, which is you. You are a gift to us. And Jesus, as we go into the week ahead, we thank you that you've given us the gift of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we receive you in your fullness. Thank you for your presence, even in the room of my friends right now. In Jesus' precious name. God bless you, church family, friends. Have an amazing week. And watch this space. We've got some exciting announcement of some developments coming up in the week ahead. Have a great, great week.